0: Good morning, some of you have, well actually several of you have been to the church building in downtown Mexico City, Uh, some of you once, some of you multiple times, and funnily enough, that is where I first met some of you, not actually here in Lubbock. Well if you've been to the building, you know uh, sort of how what it looks like from the outside, uh, the layout, the different sections of the building, the classrooms and the auditorium and all of that. If, you, if you've not been to the building yet, I have a couple of pictures up here on screen for you. That's the auditorium. So you, you, almost, you enter it almost right away as you enter the building. You know, pretty wide space. That's one of the classrooms that we have um, uh, attached to this, to this other side as you enter. Now, one morning, a few years ago, Elijah was probably about two years old. The service had concluded that morning. And uh, as usual, I was chit-chatting with our members, just uh, touching base with people, seeing how they were doing. Uh, and as usual, I scanned the room. I scanned the auditorium, uh, making sure that Elijah hadn't uh, escaped, basically. Okay? And so I scanned, and uh, he's not there. Okay, it's happened before. Okay, he's just playing. He's he's with his friends. He's you know he's it's it's quite a large large building, so I, I'm not too worried at this point. And I'm chit chatting. Another few minutes go by, and I and I scan again. I'm looking. I'm great at scanning. I scan, and I don't see him again. Okay, by this point. Okay, my heart rate heart rate is elevated. My palms are getting sweaty. Okay, I have this pit in my stomach. My mind is rapidly filtering through, sifting through all the different contingencies, right? And what followed next can only be described as this intense, laser-focused, get-out-of-my-way-I'm-looking-for-my-son kind of search. Any parents in the room can identify with that? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it is amazing the capacity that God has given us to, to focus all of our energies to devote all of our resources to finding something that is valuable to us, right? I mean, just your body just kicks into gear, and nothing else matters in that moment. So I start looking. I I excuse myself from my chit-chat. I start looking. I go look in the classrooms in the back. It's not there. I go look in the deaf classroom. Not there. Danny's also looking with me, but a lot more calmly. Okay, I recommend that approach, okay? (laughs) Uh, I enlist more help from people. I have like half the people now looking for him. But see, something funny I found out is, is when you're looking for your child, you find out that not everybody's on the same page with you, okay? People are just talking and, you know, doing their thing. And so I had to really get their attention and say, hey, listen to me, I can't find Elijah, help me. So about half the people are now looking with me. You know, uh, I, I, go, I go to some of the other classrooms, not there. The offices, he's not there. I go outside the building. Look both ways, still not there. And all of a sudden I hear aquí está. If you don't know Spanish, that means here he is. Okay. This wasn't a picture of when we found him. This was at the mall. Okay. But that, that was about the age, okay, when this happened. And I and I just about broke down into tears. My, I'd worked myself into such a frenzy. My stomach wasn't such a knot. Man, I was spent after all of that. You know, I'm not one to nap. That afternoon, I was out like a light. The Summer on the Mount series has been about Jesus calling us up out of ordinary valley-type living and onto the mountaintop with Him. It's about us us seeing how the ways of the world are, are plain. There is no wisdom there. It showcases kingdom living, and, and that's a way of life that runs directly counter to what the world champions, is it not? And so what we find in these, first, in these few chapters in Matthew 5, 6, and 7 is our God-designed manual for uh, abundant living that awaits all kingdom citizens. So it calls us out of worldly ways of thinking, of being, and acting, and it challenges us to see the world through God's eyes. Okay, to adopt his priorities and to reap uh, divine rewards. It calls us to live uh, beyond the ordinary. See, today we're going to examine another aspect, another facet of this kingdom living, of this beyond ordinary living, and that's this. The kingdom people are a seeking people. Kingdom people are a seeking people. And here's what that means. It means that these people recognize something about the world that others don't. They look at the world and they look at themselves and they recognize that something has gone awry. They, they can see, they can sense, and they can perceive that not all is well with the world, that not all is well even with themselves, that, that somewhere something has broken. So they become seekers. They become seekers. They, they want to find out, well, what went awry? What broke, and especially, what can I do to fix it? So what they do is, is they get into this intense, laser-focused, get-out-of-my-way-I'm-looking-for-answers kind of search. They become that kind of seekers, and that's a beyond ordinary life. They, what they do is they, they, they turn over every stone, okay? They, they flip over tables on their pursuit of finding answers because they're not content with the status quo. That is what a beyond ordinary life looks like. That is what kingdom people do. They are a seeking people. But the sober reality is this. Most people, well, maybe not most people, a lot of people, a lot of people don't live life that way, do they? They simply don't. They don't, they're complacent about the state of their own lives. They don't have room for God. And... They don't really want to change. But here's the first characteristic I want to present to you of what an ordinary valley life looks like. They're complacent about their own life. See, they can expertly navigate the world of someone else's problems, but they are woefully oblivious of their own. They see and pick out all the dysfunctions that are around them, that are outside of them, but, but they have no clue what's going on inside here. See, Jesus addresses this issue in Matthew chapter 7. Okay, so if you'll accompany me there, Matthew chapter 7, I want to read the first few verses here. Jesus says, "'Judge not that you be not judged, for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye?' Or how can you say to your brother, hey, let me take the speck out of your eye when there's the log in your own eye? You hypocrite actor. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is holy. Do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. See, Jesus is talking about judging others, Right? And how to do that properly, but I want you to listen to his exhortation. I want you to listen to what Jesus is saying uh, as the solution to this problem. He tells them, hey, you need to examine your life. You need to examine your own life first. He says that these people are walking around with massive logs sticking out of their eyes, and yet they're concerned with nitpicking the little specks of dust in other people's lives. Because these people refuse to look in the mirror, instead they they gleefully hold it up to other people. That is what, and I want to give you a couple of examples of what this what this valley life looks like in practice. It looks like this, something like this: a young woman who um, bounces from one relationship to another and then to another, and yet never finds satisfaction. Or a young man who is angry at the world, okay? Everyone is out to get him. His heart is a chaotic mess. Or an addict, whether to alcohol or drugs or porn, whatever, okay? unable to live a fulfilled life without some artificial stimulant. And so they go about their lives never pausing, never pausing to examine what's really going on inside, what lies underneath, what's not working, what's broken. And instead of trying to dig deep and bring that out, what what happens is they become bitter, become insecure, manipulative, selfish, and yes, like Jesus said, hypocritical. Someone else and something else is always the cause of their problems, but never themselves. But here is what a beyond ordinary life looks like. I want to contrast a beyond ordinary life for you here. <clears throat> See, this is a person who, is, who, who ruthlessly examine his, examines his own life. He's not afraid of what, what he'll find as lying underneath, okay? He, he ruthlessly examines his own life before he dares say a word about another's. See, he looks at himself and, and he realizes that he is not all that God has created him to be. And so he goes looking, examining himself with passion and drive and intensity. He's ruthless in his search. He flips over tables. He, he knocks on doors. He gets people to help him. He turn, turns over every stone and exposes these broken parts of his life to God and pleads for his healing. That is what a beyond ordinary life looks like. It searches out one's own life. It is a ruthless self-examination with the same intensity that, 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 that you, you look at somebody else's life and, 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 and find the things that aren't working, the dysfunctions, the brokenness. You turn that, that same intensity inward. So how do we do this exactly? How do we examine ourselves honestly? And I think there's some wisdom for us in Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12 and 13. I want to read that for you. It says... Examination. It's terrifying, isn't it? That God's word sees right through you. See, God loves us too much to lie to us, right? So what we find in his word is this honest, objective assessment of our life that you never find anywhere else. Nothing else comes close to that. No one else can give you an assessment as honest as what God does through His Word. You want to live life beyond ordinary? Man, examine your life by exposing it to the Word of God. Then you live a life beyond ordinary. Another characteristic of this ordinary valley life is this. These people seldom seek God. So not only do they not seek out their own lives, not only are they interested in finding out, well, what's not working in my life? They couldn't care less about God. Okay, God, God who? Either through ignorance or apathy or animus, okay? They, they, God is completely left out of their lives. Jesus addresses this too in the same passage. Look at it. Verses 7 through 11. Let me read. He says, ask and it will be given to you. See, the ordinary valley life is full of people who want to live lives, their lives, according to their own whims and for their own pleasure, right? Have it your way, says a popular commercial. Follow your heart, says a misguided self-help guru, maybe from India, who knows? Apparently all the gurus are from India, okay? What are these expressions getting at exactly, if not at this pervasive belief in today's society, okay, that there is no God and that all of this is really about you? Hey, you're the star of your life. You're the star of your show. Isn't that what it's getting at? Now, I'm not saying that Burger King <laughs> or self-help authors or, or Indians, okay, are advocating godlessness at all. All I am saying is that we live in this ecosystem, this culture, that is all too ready to do away with the concept of God completely. Is it not? So Jesus says, hey, listen, ask and you will receive. Okay, And the people go, "Ah, I don't really want to. I'll kind of find my own way here. Or some others go, I'm not sure that I can ask. Jesus says, hey, seek and you'll find and the people go, find whom? There's nobody there. Jesus says, knock and the door will be opened. And they say, I really can't be bothered. It's too much work. Or it's too hard. You know, in the Bible, we see over and over how when the people do not seek God, when they don't inquire of his will, things go, things go sideways pretty quickly. Think of Abraham. Having, having a son with his servant Hagar instead of waiting for the promised son Isaac. Think of King Saul offering the sacrifice uh, in the place of the prophet Samuel. Think of Ananias and Sapphira in Acts 5 that, that thought they could lie to the Lord and tell, them, you know, tell him that, hey, this is all we made. They, they didn't inquire of God. They didn't inquire of His will. They didn't seek His face. They didn't wait to find out what He wanted them to do, and things went sideways very quickly. But here's what seeking looks like in the life that is beyond ordinary. This is a person who passionately pursues God. She's mindful of God's presence and is constantly seeking to follow his lead. He refuses to take a single step, to make a single decision until he has inquired of God's will. They submit their dreams and plans and aspirations to God and wait for him to pave the way that they should follow. See, these are people who, who are passionately pursuing God. They have confidence to approach Him and ask Him for what they need. If He seems far off, they go looking. If there are obstacles in their way, man, these people, they're not afraid to turn over a few tables, knock on a few doors to find Him. That's a beyond ordinary life. It's, it's a life that is not complacent. It's a life that understands that without God, we are nothing. Nothing. That he is the creator and sustainer of us. We need him. And so they seek him. What does this look like? How, how exactly do we seek God? And it's found, well, it's right in front of our eyes. <clears throat> it says, ask, seek, and knock. And I think there's an invitation to prayer. Jesus is telling us that God wants to be asked, he wants to be sought out, and he wants to answer the door because he wants to give us good things. He's a good father. He wants to bless us. What a promise, man. So he's saying, you set aside whatever fears or doubts you have about approaching God and just do it. Just do it. You just ask. You just seek. You just knock. God is waiting to bless you. He's waiting to accompany you in your life, in your journey of life. And he's waiting to give you good things. Not all things. Good things because he is a good father. He is a perfectly righteous father. And so when we ask and when we seek and when we knock, he promises to be found. The final characteristic of an ordinary valley life is this: it takes the path of least resistance. Okay? The path of least resistance. This is a person who just shudders at the at the mere thought of inconvenience. Not even suffering, inconvenience. I'm a little bit like that sometimes, okay? I want my Amazon packages in like f- within 5 minutes of ordering it. Anybody else? Okay, I just don't want to be inconvenienced. I want the easy way out. I'll pay extra for shipping, sure. Let's read in verses 12 through 14 of Matthew 7. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to life. I'm sorry, that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many, for the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. So the ordinary valley life is concerned with taking this this easy path. It avoids not just actual suffering, but even the thought of suffering. You know, it's not all that dissimilar to to hedonism. Anybody know what that is? Hedonism is this theory of ethics that, that, that proposes that pleasure is the greatest good that you can work toward and that pain is the greatest enemy of that good. And so people who live by this mantra, okay, are <clears throat> people who live by this mantra are, are concerned with avoiding pain at all costs and seeking pleasure at all costs. They avoid suffering, and they avoid pain. They see the wide path with all its glitz and glamour as the ideal life, not realizing that hell awaits. You don't have to look look hard to find this in action. Uh, Marriage, marriage is hard. Why stick with it? Integrity is costly. Why bother? Purity is elusive. Don't even get me started. But here's what seeking looks like, looks like in the life that is beyond ordinary. This is a person who unwaveringly follows the hard path, who un, who's unwaveringly committed to the path less traveled, the path that nobody else wants to take. See, these people see past the glitz and glamour of the, of the wide road, the easy road, and they see the lake of fire that waits them on the end. They remember the words of Jesus going, Hey, listen, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart because I have overcome the world. They also remember Jesus words going, you want to follow me? I don't know where I'm sleeping tonight or if I'm eating tonight, that's what you'll be signing up for. You sure? They also remember him saying, Hey, you take up your cross, deny yourself and follow me because it's going to be a rough ride. They remember those words, but they also remember these words. Well done good and faithful servant you have persevered you have endured you have run the race well enter into your master's rest and so what they do is with these words ringing in their ears they actively seek out this hard path knowing that it's going to lead to eternal life so how do we do that how do we seek the hard path and i i believe it's 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 by doing this we become disciples we become disciples of Jesus. See, a disciple is somebody who imitates his master, okay, his rabbi. And so as disciples of Jesus, what we want to do and what we try to do is, hey, whatever I see Jesus saying, that's what I want to say. Whatever I see Jesus doing, that's what I want to do. When Jesus was tempted, how did he respond? Well, that's how I want to respond. See, see, see the, the apostles, for example, saw Jesus time and time again actively seek out the narrow path. When Satan tried to tempt Jesus to abuse his power, what did Jesus say? Well, I could, but I'm not going to. When he told his apostles that, you know, he would essentially be crucified and he'd be killed and whatnot, and, and Simon Peter goes, never, Lord, never, that will never happen to you. And he goes, get behind me, Satan, you don't have the things of God on your mind. So time and time again, we see Jesus actively seeking out this hard path, and that's what we ought to do. You want to live a life that is beyond ordinary? Seek out the hard path. Find that narrow gate and walk that hard path as a disciple of Jesus, and you will find life. And God has given us an exceptional ability to focus our energies, to devote all of our resources into seeking out what is valuable. It is ama- it's actually amazing how perfectly He's wired us for this task. I hope you see. That there is nothing more valuable than examining your own life, than seeking the face of God, and seeking out that path less traveled on the way to eternal life. There are promises for you in this journey of seeking. When you do this, you will find yourself. (laughs) As cheesy as that sounds. You will find God and you will find your life hidden in Him. But this beyond ordinary mountaintop seeking life begins with acknowledging that something has gone awry, not only in the world out there, but in your own life. Recognizing that you need help. Man, this church would love to help you. This church would love to serve you in any way that we can. So whatever that is, why don't you come forward as we stand and sing and let us know how we can help.